A reading from God's word. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, And give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. You can all be happy that Justin didn't read the text. He would have had you stand the whole time for the reading of God's Word. (laughs) See? Affirmation. Affirmation. 
Let's go ahead and pray. Start with some prayer. Heavenly Father, again, 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 we come to Your Word. We long to see You face to face, but You have not come back and You have not shown Your face to us fully, but You have revealed Yourself to us in Your Word. And so it is to Your Word that we come, God, and we pray that Your Spirit would would move through us, God, move through Your Word, that we might behold the glory and the beauty of Your Son. Dear God, we ask that You, like the psalmist writes, God, that You would love Your people, that You would shepherd us well, God, and that You would carry us in Your arms forever. Amen. When I was in fourth grade, I was in fourth grade, I had a brother two years older than me. He was in sixth grade. And at that time, we were going to the same elementary school. And we got out of our class early, and you had to ride the bus home. And you scurry on, and you get on the bus, and we were one of the first ones on the bus. And we're sitting there. We're waiting and waiting, and it's taking a while. And so, instead of just sitting there and waiting, we, I don't know how we, we got off the bus. I don't know why, but we got off the bus and went to the playground and started playing. We are having a great time on the monkey bars and sliding down and Probably throwing rocks at each other and doing whatever brothers do. And we're having a wonderful time. Until we look up. And the bus, which was parked, is no longer parked. And it's pulling out of the drive, out of the parking lot, taking a left onto Dodd Boulevard and heading north. Well, that's quite a predicament for a, uh, someone in fourth grade and someone in sixth grade. So there's a couple sections filled with corn. So we go running through them. We're running through the dairy farm that's across the street, and we made it home just in time to again see the bus taking off down the road. We didn't, we didn't beat it. Thankfully, the bus driver had the wherewithal to grab our bags of the foolish tonic boys and throw them out in the ditch, and so we had our homework and our book bags, and everything was fine. And were we ready? Were we ready? Well, yes, I guess, maybe. But we were nowhere to be found, were we? We were nowhere to be found when it really mattered. That's the same thing we see here in our text, isn't it? Many people hear the gospel. Many people profess to know, to, to, to seem that they profess to be ready, don't they? But, when the Son of Man, when the King of Kings, when the Lord of Lords, when the Son of God, when God Himself comes back, nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. So it's driving us to our main idea this morning. Be prepared. My friends, be prepared. One, in who you are. Be prepared in who you are. And number two, be prepared in what you do. So you see this. Be prepared in... And who you are, this verse is 1 through 13. What do you do? You watch. You watch. And we see this parable of, of the ten virgins that we have here. And so what do you do? You be prepared in, in who you are. It's not merely those who profess that are prepared. It's not just those who have lamps that are prepared, my friend. No. There's something else. It is those who watch. So, 
So, so you're watching as you're prepared, but you see this? It's not just one parable, we have two. And so the second one is that we work. This parable about the talents and the master leaving for some time. So we're not just prepared in who we are with these ten virgins, but we are prepared in what we do as well when we see this parable about the, the talents. So on one hand, it's, don't just do something, stand there, right? That's not the only parable. On the other hand, don't just stand there. Do something. So it's such it is with the Word of God. It's these parables that we see, they're not the full orb. They're not fully representing the kingdom of God. They're just one facet. So on one hand, just stand there. Don't, don't busy yourself. But stand and watch. Eagerly anticipate the kingdom to come. On the other hand, don't, don't just stand there. Don't just bury your talent. Do something. Do something with what God has given you. So that's where we're going. Be prepared in who you are and in what you do. And so before we get to our text here, let's talk a little bit about the context. Again, we're in the Passion Week. The Gospel of Matthew has slowed down considerably. We're flying through all of these the years of ministry, and this great chunk right at the end is dedicated to the last week of Christ in his ministry. And on Sunday he has this triumphal entry, does he not? And the crowds that are not so much from Jerusalem, but the crowds that have come with him from the Sea of Galilee and from other areas, they're crying out. And what are they saying? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then he goes and he spends the night in Bethany. And then on Monday, the second day, he comes to the temple and he begins to engage the Pharisees. And we see that on this, on this third day as well, which is Tuesday, which is where our text is taking place. On Tuesday evening of this Passion Week. And on Tuesday, he's engaging with the Pharisees and he's again denouncing the religious elites. And he leaves them, as Adam gave a great sermon, he leaves them with these, these seven woes of what they are doing. And then they go and they leave out the east end of the city. They go down the Kidron Valley and they come up in this on the, the Mount of Olives, and the sun is coming, gleaming at them from the west, and they see the gold and the marble of the city, and they're, they're entranced by its beauty. And it begins this discourse, and we call it this, this Mount Olivet, this Olivet Discourse. It takes up two chapters, a quite considerable chunk of, of Scripture. And there's just one main message in all of these two chapters, chapter 24 and chapter 25. One main message in these be prepared. Be prepared is the main message over and over and over again. And he's answering them the question. He's answering the question. You see it in chapter 24, verse 3. Tell us. He said, the city is going to be wiped out. You think it's beautiful. It's going to be destroyed. And they naturally, they tell us. They ask him, tell us. When will these things happen? And what will be the sign of the coming and of the end of the age? And so he tells them, be prepared. As you see in chapter 24, be prepared. Be prepared in this generation. So when you, when you see the abomination of desolation coming, what do you do? You flee. You flee. You flee and you run to Christ. And he, Christ, he, he interweaves this, this destruction of their time in 70 AD with the destruction at the end of the world as as seamlessly weaves them together as if they're almost different manifestations of the same event 
from the view of a, of a timeless God. And he weaves them together. And he gives them, again, the picture of the fig tree. And he, and, and he says, well, you know then what are coming. You, you see the sign of the fig tree producing fruit. Its leaves, or its, its branches grow soft, and they grow longer, and the leaves come out. And then you know soon the harvest will come. So then, don't be like those who are like Noah, you see in chapter 24. They thought everything was fine, did they not? They were, they were eating, they were drinking, they were being merry, and they were carrying on. And little did they know that the storehouse of God's wrath was going to be poured down upon them. And this, this common grace in which they enjoyed the goodness of God's creation was soon to be replaced with specific judgment. And you can hear the cries of the people outside of the boat. They're strong at first, and then they grow fainter and fainter and weaker as the water rises, and they're pounding on the boat to get in. And soon, the pounding stops. And for Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives that are in the boat, well, they couldn't have gotten out, and those outside of the boat couldn't have gotten in. Why? Because God is the one. God is the one who shut the door. So be prepared, and we have this application given to us. Chapter 24, verse 2, he says, Therefore be on alert, for you do not know the day in which the Lord is coming. He gives it to us. You want to know what this is about? I'll make it very plain to you, very clear. I'm going to make it clear because throughout history, we suck at it, quite frankly. Noah's time, they didn't see it. I'm coming, they don't see it. Be prepared. Be prepared for the coming judgment. And then when this is done, chapter 24 and 25, you get to chapter 26. And what does he do? He demonstrates one who is prepared for the judgment of God. Not that he himself was sinned, but that he takes his sin upon, our sin upon himself. And he tells them, you know that after two days, chapter 26, verse 2, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. So this is the context, kind of the bookends of what's going on when we have these two parables about the ten virgins, and then about the talents as well. And it's under this main umbrella to be prepared. Two full chapters, my friend. Two full chapters. More than is dedicated to the actual crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This is really, really important, my friends. To be prepared. Be prepared in our day. Be prepared in the future. And he tells us multiple different ways. Why? Because, again, we're terrible. We must hear this over and over and over again. So that's the the context of these two parables. So let's go back to the the text here. Be prepared in in who you are and and watch. Read the the verses 1 through uh, 13 here. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oils with their lamps. And the bridegroom was delayed. They all became, they all, they all became drowsy and slept. 
But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all of those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said to the wise, Give us some oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, Since there will not be enough oil for both for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open it to us. You hear the pounding on the door as they pounded on the ark. Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. So what do we do? Watch. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And here we, we see this a parable is just this illustration of these truths given to us in chapter 24, as we are starting now in chapter 25. And right away, you see you have ten virgins. Five of them are foolish. The foolish ones are mentioned first. Then there's five who are wise as well. And we see that the, the, right away all is well, isn't it? They're all ten are there, and everything's fine. They have their lamps, they have their light. Everything's fine. And it's just as in the days of Noah, when they're carrying on, they're eating, they're drinking, and being merry, and everything's fine, everything's okay. And they, they have these lamps, and what they are basically is just a, just a, a, a bowl that's nearly covered. It has a little hole in the top, and a handle on one side, and a little spout on the other. Pour your oil in, from olive oil or uh, sesame seed or flax oil, any kind of oil, you pour it in, put your wick down the spout, and you can light it, and it'll suck up the oil, and it'll burn and what they would do during this time, they would, they would have this parade and the sun, they would put them up on poles for the progression of the, of the procession of the, of the bride and the bridegroom. And there would be ten of them in the east. And they would carry them along on these poles for the bridal procession. But the groom is long in coming, we see. Let's see in verse 5. But the groom was delayed. And in the midst of this, what happens? Their eagerness turns to dreariness and they fall asleep. And we're all, we're all of us are eager and zealous to, to serve the Lord, but it, soon it will pass away. We're no different. We're just like the Israelites. What do they do? They, they go through the 40 years of the wilderness. Moses dies, Mount Nebo. They cross the Jordan on dry land. They get to the other side and they tell Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. We will serve the Lord our God. And what do they do? Well, then they go into Jericho and they do. They obey God. They go around six days. They go one seventh day. They go around, blow some trumpets. Outer walls of Jericho collapse. They pillage the city. You don't even have to turn the page. Just read the next word. And you see their disobedience. You see our disobedience. We're zealous. We we're longing for the bridegroom to come, but all, the wise and the foolish, they all, they all fell asleep. Well, that's just like us. And he comes in the depths of the darkest hour at midnight. That is when he comes, when they least expect it. And from that moment on, the foolish display their folly and the wise, they display their wisdom. 
And having no oil, the, the foolish are left to grope around in, the, in their own darkness. And they beg for others to help them, but it, it's of no use. But the wise, what do they have? But they have their oil. They have their oil. They're, they're prepared and their light shines. That's if, it's as if they were letting their, their light shine before men in such a way that, that God, that others might see their good works and glorify God. And it wasn't hidden, but it was placed on the lampstand. But you see what happens. Here, then comes the switch. You're always waiting for a switch in these stories. And here it is. They think the broom, the groom will be quick in coming. But he's long in coming. And they think he'll be quick and, and kind of hang out with him for a while. But it's the complete opposite. He's long in coming and when he comes, immediately they're separate. The foolish and the wise. Those who are inside and those who are outside. And again, the door is shut. And those on the outside, even though they had a lamp at one time, they looked great, didn't they? Beautiful lamp. Good. Good for you. He will tell them, truly, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. So what do we do, right? What do we do with the, the story about lamps and oils and virgins and bridegrooms? Like, what do we, what do, we do with this? I want you to see that they all had a lamp. All of them. Oh, they all had a lamp. They all, they all had their profession of faith, did they not? And when they were with others, they looked fine. They looked great. And they themselves, notice this also, they themselves, when everything was going fine, they thought they were prepared. They presumed upon their own goodness. They thought they were prepared for the coming king. Well, they had their lamps and they had a little bit of oil in their lamp and everything should be fine, right? Well, 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 well you prayed the prayer, right? Well, you come to church every now and then. Well, good for you. But is your heart, is it ready? Is it ready for the coming king? Is it ready for the bride to come, for the groom to come? Well, they, they were ready at one point, but they didn't endure. They didn't endure in their preparedness to meet the Lord. Yeah, they were part of a community, and when they were, they looked great. But personally, individually, their hearts were not ready. They become overcome with sleep, and they were not prepared. And they went to scurry off, to go try to polish themselves up, right? To meet the coming king. But at that point, it's too late. It's just too late. And we as a church, we talked about this in our membership class, we push and promote church membership, rightfully so, more so than any other church I've ever seen or been a part of. And it's good. You should be part of a local church. You should be a member of a local church, which is, what does that mean? You should be submitting to a local church. That should be the characteristic of your life. And we must be seeking shelter within the local church, but not only within the local church. You must be here. That is good. But now that you've become a, a part of a church, you must continue to be prepared 
for the coming king. Right? Individually, personally. God's not going to come down and just judge our church and we're all in. We're all, no, he's you individually. Back, you individually. Johnson, you individually. Matt, you individually. He's going to judge you. Be prepared, my friend. Do you, do you have your light without your oil? Do you have your profession without being prepared? But just think about it. When the King of Kings comes, Riding on his horse, faithful and true, with his robe dipped in blood. Does that bring you to fear? Are you are you so careless that you just don't care? Or do you long for that? Do you truly long for that day? For that to come? Is everything... Just think about before you get married. Everything about your life is focused on this day to come. Your preparation, what you're going to wear, what everybody else is going to wear. All of it. What the cake looks like, what the cake tastes like, where are people going to park. All of it is focused in on this one day of the wedding feast. It should be with your same life. All of it must be longing, this expectation. I remember before we got married, it was just longing, longing for it to happen. We must have the same thing with this, with this bridegroom to come, Christ to come. We must, all of our lives must be oriented towards it together as we long for Christ to come. But again, we know that the Christian life is, is more than one facet, right? So on one hand, again, we don't, don't just do something, stand there, watch, wait. Long for the kingdom to come. But as you're doing that, well, don't just, don't just stand there, right? Do something. So let's, let's throw other verses here about the talents. Let's, let's just read verses 14 through 18. Let's read verses 14 through 18. For it will be like a man going on a journey who is, who called his servants and entrusted them to them his property. To one, he, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But, massive contrast, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's Money. See, you see the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent. Well, it's it's all given to them according to their ability, right? So we we don't bemoan those who who have been given more, and we certainly don't pity those who have been given less. No. Whatever you're given is not your concern, my friend. Right? That's not your concern. None of us are going to be. Nicknamed uh, the Golden Tongue, like John Christosom in the fourth century preacher. Nicknamed the Golden Tongue. That's not going to happen to any of us. None of us are going to change world history as, as Martin Luther. Or none of us are going to um, be like Corey Timboom. Stare down the Third Reich. Stare him down in the eye. Give your life. 
None of us are going to be like Harriet Tubman and, and lead slaves as you're compelled longing for this land to come that you also bring slaves with you up to the north and into freedom. None of us are going to have her bravery. But whether you have one or two or three or four or five talents, that doesn't matter, my friend. That simply doesn't matter. Whether you have this low position of preaching or this high position of staying home and nurturing your children and changing diapers. Your position and your talents that are given to you. That is not your concern, my friend. That is under the sovereignty of God. Don't rebel against that. That is God's part. What is your part? What is your main concern? What what, what do we have in our text? What does it have before us? We must, you must, as a church collectively and individually, you, you must be obedient with what God has given you. We must be obedient with everything. So we we see the, the one who has given five talents, the one who received two talents. Well, they invested, and they, they trade with it, and they do well, and they double, right? That's a good return. And you notice how the outward, the outward result is different. One ends up with four, the other ends up with ten. But inwardly, what God looks at, their, their labor, their devotion, their faithfulness, is all equal. Such it is, as it is with, with the kingdom of God. And the master, he comes back and he says, well done, verse 21 and 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter in. Enter into the joy of your master. But, but the one who has won, what does he do? Well, it was given to him according to his ability and he showed his ability. He buried, right? He misunderstood. He was, he says nothing, nothing with what God has given him. Nothing. He's un, he's idle. He's unwilling to work for his mastery. He will not face the difficulties, the self-denial, the trials for the sake of his master. He'll probably go and do it for himself, undoubtedly. But for the sake of his master, well, well, that's a different game. And he says in verse 25, he shows his heart. He said, I was... I was afraid. And he completely misunderstood the grace of his master. He could have been the prodigal son who squandered it trying to make more for the sake of his master and God would have been delighted. But no, what did he do? He did nothing. Absolutely nothing. He trusted in his own slothfulness, it says, rather than walking in obedience. He'd rather follow this, this legalism of Adam, not wanting to do anything wrong, rather than just throwing himself on the grace of his master. And so it's rather obvious, as we close here, it's rather obvious what is laid before us, right? We must be about the work of the kingdom. And, and it's not just a blanket statement, but remember the context about being prepared as we work. So we show how we are prepared for the coming king by the way we work. The one who is idle, the one who has done nothing, they're not prepared. Their heart is not stirred in such a way that they're doing all that they can for the coming king. If you are idle and not working for the sake of the kingdom, check your heart. 
Are you prepared for the coming, for the coming king? So be prepared. Yeah, stand here with your, with your oil, your lamp full, and a flask at your side longing. Yes, but also get your hands dirty and work and work for the sake of the kingdom. So we, I got some good feedback from this week of what it looks like to either to bury the talent that God has given you or to invest it for the sake of the kingdom. If you can bury it, why? But, but, but not financially supporting the church by not caring about that. Or not being involved in a community group. Well, okay, you can show up at a community group, drink coffee and leave and check it off your box. Good job. You're not truly living in community, communing with other fellow Christians. And you, When someone needs something, then you come up with 40 excuses related to you, not them, of why you can't go and help them. You think it's beneath you to come early and unfold these gloriously hideous chairs that we sit on every week. It's a good thing. I mean, you're giving a place for your brother and sister in faith to come and sit. It's a wonderful thing. Or you, or you have knowledge about the gospel of the kingdom. You have this knowledge about the gospel of the kingdom. And as the talent was buried in the sand, so are the words of the gospel buried within you. And you haven't shared the gospel with anybody. Just bury it within yourself. Thankfully, you guys are a wonderful, truly amazing church. And I just want to give you a glimpse a small glimpse into how the Spirit is working and how you guys are investing. You guys are investing for the sake of the kingdom. Some of you aren't even here. Why? Because you saved up your own money, you bought a ticket, and you left at 4.30 this morning to go down to South America to train up pastors in Belize so that they can reach their own people. You're giving up time away from your family to do so. Some of you have your kids by yourself all week because your husband is in Belize training up pastors to reach their own people. Many of you, many of you give generously, cheerfully, joyfully to, the, to this church for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of this, the kingdom being proclaimed in this, in this area. But there's a lot of, not just one-time things, but a lot of ongoing. There are people, not just one, there are several people here learning Arabic. It doesn't happen overnight, my friend. Learning Arabic, why? Not so they can sound cool, but so they can share the gospel with immigrants, with refugees coming into our city. They're not calling their congressmen, telling them to not take any more refugees. No, they're going, what must I do to reach them? So they're learning Arabic so they can share the gospel with refugees and immigrants. The lower rungs of society, so we're told. So they can share it with them in their, with their mother tongue, with their own language. And many of you, another one of you, have forgiven your brothers and sisters, even though you've been offended by them. You've forgiven them. Not because they've come to you with sackcloth and ashes. But you've forgiven them so that we might be unified as a body as we go forth and proclaim the kingdom of God. Many of you, you give up hours of sleep 
So we can gather together as a body at different times throughout the city, throughout the week, and pray for this church. Pray for you guys and pray for a revival to come to this city. You guys are amazing. And investing in the kingdom of God. Many of you open your homes and you don't just share time with your lives, but you you don't just share money with others, but your life itself, you share your life with other people. And many of you, God will look down and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. But we must know, and we must know, we must make it clear that it is not through your striving, it is not through your toils, it is not through your efforts that you're able to hear these words, my friend. It is through Christ and through Christ alone that we will hear these glorious words. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we will be able to enter into the joy of our Master. All of your efforts, whatever they might be, are nothing. They're just one talent buried in the sand apart from Christ. The only ringing we'll hear in our ears, no matter how hard you work, Apart from Christ, all you will hear is, you wicked and slothful servant. You can never do enough, but Christ has. We've fallen short of the glory of God, but Christ has lived the perfect life. And it's to, it's to Him and to Him alone that we look to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. So do we do, we do all that we can? Well, yes, of course. All the while knowing we're just what? Jars of clay that we might display the glory of God. That it's not us, but it is Christ within me. That we know that it's, that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. Which He has prepared beforehand. Which God has prepared beforehand. They're not our works. Which God has prepared beforehand that we might work in Him. Well, that we might walk in Him. So my friends, come to Christ. You want to hear this? Well done, good and faithful servant. Come to Christ. Run to Christ. Flee to Christ. Turn to Christ. So you might enter into the joy of your Master when the King comes. Because we don't know when He is coming. Remember, we don't know when He is coming. We only know that He is coming. So stand and watch and be prepared, right? And then, then to go ahead and do all that you can and do all that you can, but all the while knowing that it is through Christ and through Christ alone that you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, Long for your Son to come, God. And I pray that you would make it abundantly clear to us when we just have a little bit of oil in our lamp and nothing else, when we're just living by ourselves, when we're not prepared, God. And I pray that your Spirit would move through us, that we would long for your Son to come, God, that we would not fear this day, but we would truly long for it. God, I pray that our church would be industrious in our labor for your kingdom. All the while knowing it is only through your Son and through your Son alone 
that we can have access to you, that we can commune with you, that we can behold your face, God, and we long for the time to come when we will see you face to face and behold all of your glory. But God, until then, could you keep us and shape our hearts so they are prepared for this day to come. Amen.